0: You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church.
1: This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Jen Wilkin and JT English. And on today's episode, we ask, how has God spoken and is God still speaking? This is the question of the doctrine of revelation. Revelation. And so over the course of this podcast, we want to talk through how has God revealed himself in the world and answer the question, is God still speaking? We hope you enjoy the discussion. Okay, so Jen was telling me that in the last episode, <laughs> I yawned audibly.
0: Audibly into the microphone.
1: Well, we were talking about First and Second Samuel.
0: We should have, like, um, Easter eggs. We should have Easter eggs in the podcast. So that's one. And then there's the one where JT threw his pen at the wall. during. I got one more
1: comments. People, like, <laughs> multiple people were I'm like, so sorry. did <laughs> one of you throw a pen? in that podcast and I was like yeah JT did it was just instinct reflex yeah. I we've all had moments where
0: I felt unsafe I don't know about you Kyle well I mean, in the last episode
1: as a matter of public record you did threaten to slap me upside the head <laughs> it's now published record so if Jen ever does it I have a strong case to make that it was premeditated <laughs> and, she, and she's got that she's got that book sell so I'm just saying it's
0: kind of funny that I can make that as a joke and you totally can no
1: if, if I had made that joke, we would have had to stop the episode and start all over. <laughs> Actually, probably just sorry, we that's HR a bad in double standard. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. No, I apologize. it's you know what, it's okay. As uh,
0: nobody slap anyone upside the hey, head. As
1: as somebody who is uh, is a part of a group that has not has been as marginalized as any other group in okay. history, I am willing to receive all of the imputation. <laughs> Seriously, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> and if you do slap me upside the head, I will turn and you can slap the other, other side, side of my, of head. my oh, head. Boom! Oh, here okay. we go. All right, so today we're talking about. The doctrine of revelation. Uh, and I love um, this topic. okay, so JT, yep. let me give you a what for. Not what a what for. A what hypothetical. The what? <laughs> a what for is telling you off, right? What, what? I, I don't know. Uh, okay, that's what I think that's what my is grandma that what used to say. For? Like, let me give you a what for. Okay. But let me give you a hypothetical. If I came in this morning and I began a conversation with you by saying, JT, last night God told me. Okay, this it's happened not, before. No, it <laughs> hasn't. Come on, don't do that.
0: <laughs> hey, pro tip, you can't say you would slap him upside down. I head. would not. Yeah, okay. please
1: don't. Um, so I come in, I say, JT, last night, God told me. Mm-hmm. Now, before I finish that thought, I know you well enough mm-hmm. to know that some things, the machines, the gears, yeah, yeah, okay. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. something clicks on, yep. and these, what we might call scripts start mm-hmm. running. Uh-huh. Like, okay, okay, what is about to happen here? Um, what starts happening in your mind? What questions are raised? Why? What, what's going on when you hear that? Last night, JT, God told me.
2: Yeah, this is a, a topic I'm deeply passionate about. So there's a few things that pop in my head right away. Uh, Nicholas Wolterstorff is a theologian who said it this way. One of the most uh, astounding claims of Christian theology is that God has made himself known. Like that is a big, big deal. That if God has made himself known in any way, that is something worth pursuing with all that we have. Like God is not obligated to reveal himself. God is under no preconditions to say, this is who I am. But the gracious news of the gospel is that he has done it. So anytime anybody's making a claim that God is speaking, has spoken, or has made himself known, my ears are up. Because if God has spoken and made himself known, we all should be paying attention. Because if God is the most beautiful, glorious object in the world, uh, triune God in the world, that he, he is worthy of knowledge and knowing, and most importantly, love, then I want to know what he's saying. Right full stop, but I also am really interested in the Bible is really interested in making sure that if somebody is misspeaking on behalf of God, that there are severe consequences for that. Because if you are teaching or speaking in a way in which God has not revealed himself, the Bible calls that person a false prophet. Right. And what you're essentially doing is making God a liar and you're misspeaking on his behalf. And that's equally as uh, serious or severe as God actually speaking. And so anytime we, we kind of blend those lines uh, theologically, we get in some really serious danger because if God if we believe that God is making Himself known, there's nothing more valuable. If people are misspeaking on behalf of God as false prophets, there's nothing more more serious mm-hmm. in theology and worthy of avoiding and condemning and removing ourselves from. And so those lines cannot be blunted because if God, God does, ne- he never misreveals himself. Uh, the Bible, Christ is not meant to be uh, uh, mystery, but revelation. God is not uh, intending to... Uh, He's intending to disclose himself, not make himself more unknowable mm-hmm. or unknown. Mm-hmm. And so what, when you tell me God spoke to me last night, I want to know what he said. Or what I think Or he what said. you think he said. Mm-hmm. And my assumption is that you're, you're going to tell me a Bible passage right. immediately mm-hmm. afterwards. Right. That you're going to tell me I was meditating on First right. and Second Samuel. Mm-hmm. And God is disclosing himself to me in the text because the Bible is not just God's revelation of himself in the past through events. It's his ongoing self-disclosure. It is where we go to meet and commune with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah,
0: I also just want to say, there are ways that we say that that are completely well-intentioned and are are Mm -hmm. valid. So like, uh, not to say that it's, you know, but but here are some valid expressions of that that I would never question. Um, God said... God is showing me or God said to me that I need to walk in humility. Mm-hmm. Or you know, anytime we're talking about a conviction of sin or um, a, a virtue that the Bible commends that needs to be built in us, if you say, God told me that I need to repent of self-righteousness or self-sufficiency, I believe that right. to be true, that aligns with the scriptures. And it may be that there was something in, in this particular season that brought that particular thing to your attention, uh, or God is showing me that I lack wisdom in this area. These are all ways that the Lord absolutely speaks to us. Um, but again, that's something that is a product of understanding his word and being able to recognize, um, truth from error mm-hmm. and, and and then to respond in, in, in repentance or to right. walk in wisdom. Right. And yeah. I you know, I've just I have seen um people vilified for using that language and they've been called out as, as though they are talking about some sort of special revelation right. that God gave just to them. Yeah. And I do think we need to have a better sensitivity around yeah, the way that people, yeah, the way that people use terms that what they are saying is the Lord is showing me this in, in my uh, own life. And uh, that's a, that's a valid expression. That's absolutely right. Yeah.
1: And I, I think one of the things that as you're talking through, uh, How the engine starts up when you hear somebody say that, JT engine. I think one of the things that's at work here is that um, that engine starts because of our doctrine of revelation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. how that's where that's its kind of ground zero is uh, this doctrine of revelation. And when Christians use that phrase, doctrine of revelation or doctrine of anything, what they're normally talking about is this is what we believe the Bible says about. This subject mm-hmm. and revelation is God's self disclosure, right? Mm-hmm. How God has revealed himself to be, yep. how he has disclosed himself, what he has said. Mm-hmm. And so, talk to me a little bit about this doctrine of revelation. What issues are
2: wrapped up in this doctrine? Yep, um, and how has God revealed himself in the world? And this, this is such an important question. I think the first thing that's worth our consideration and thinking about is every other kind of field of study or object of knowing is something that we uh, kind of, in, in Science has taught us this, that we go to a body of knowledge in order to receive information, in order to kind of to, to know what is right. So if you're mm-hmm. if you're going to go to uh, uh, the mountains, for example, the, the mountains aren't revealing themselves to you. You went to the mountains in order to gain access to information, to see the beauty and the majesty of the Rocky Mountains, perhaps in Colorado. When it comes to revelation... It is entire, an entirely different way of knowing and coming uh, into a relationship with God. It is not information that he is obligated to give to us. He graciously does. And we don't sit over it as kind of scientists eliciting information. We sit under it, simply receiving God's revelation of himself. Mm-hmm. And so the most important thing when we think about the category of revelation is that we see it as a gracious act of God. Right, that that knowledge of God is a gift given. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. It's not something that like we went out and got. And it's not something we deserve. Right. It's not something that we're owed. But Mm -hmm. God in his gracious character and nature has disclosed himself so that we might know him appropriately, rightly, and have a relationship with him. Um, And so uh, that, yeah, that is an incredible explanation of the doctrine of
1: Revelation. How has God revealed himself in the world. We'll kick it around here. So I'll start with God has revealed himself in the world, mm-hmm. like the, actually mm-hmm. the earth in creation. Mm-hmm. And scripture is replete with examples of this. Psalm 8, right? Mm-hmm. How majestic is your name in all the earth? Mm-hmm. I think about Romans 1, 20 and 21, right? For by his uh, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived right. in mm-hmm. the world mm-hmm. since the beginning of time. And so God has revealed himself in the world,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he has also revealed himself in
2: what? What? So that's the category of general revelation, general revelation. Yeah. and then i would have i would have at least two categories of special revelation he's revealed himself in the incarnation in mm-hmm. christ in mm-hmm. christ we have the face of god the very image bearer the mm-hmm. one who makes the invisible god visible and so as we have access to who christ is and how and how god has made himself known he makes himself known there and then of course perhaps the most obvious one that we talk about most frequently and regularly is scripture Mm -hmm. that God not only has spoken in the biblical text and spoke through the authors and the writers. He's continuing to speak through the biblical text as the church comes Mm -hmm. to an interaction communes with God himself. Um, so let's let's imagine somebody's like okay great so
1: God revealed himself in the earth in the world um so I just need to like go hang out in nature long enough right like I love Colorado not Colorado JT you mispronounced a minute ago and I'm sorry Texas Oh god. Yeah, I don't think Careful. you do. How about you trust the native? How you just trust the native.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Point
1: well made. Oh, um yeah. but uh okay. I'm glad that's on air now. Um <laughs> but let's say somebody's like I'm going to go to the mountains of Colorado. Um Thank you. and uh, and I'm just going to hang out there because I'll learn everything I need to know yeah. about God from looking at these beautiful mountains. What Jane, what do you say if somebody I mean um, that's probably never happened but well, that no, thought I, I think has it occurred. does
0: happen yeah. I think it even happens among believers who feel like the scriptures are too hard for them to handle so they're just going to go with with uh, general revelation you know I I meet God in nature that's where and that's absolutely true like I don't want to diminish that at all like the way I usually express it is that no one stands no one whether they're an agnostic and atheist or a christian no one stands at the edge of the grand canyon and says i am awesome like right <laughs> nature does orient us properly to the fact that we have a maker, uh, or it should, that's what Romans one is saying. And, uh, but, but general revelation is the character of God painted in broad brush strokes. And, um, then special revelation is the character of God written, sketched with a fine tip pen. Yeah. And, uh, I love impressionist art, um, it, it stirs something in me, but there is something about realism that I uh, would cling to uh, in moments where I'm looking for yeah. a deeper level of certainty. And and I would say that's kind of a loose way I would I would define the difference between the two is just think about it in terms of broad brushstrokes versus specificity. Who doesn't want specificity when sure. they can get it? And yeah. once
2: you've seen the specificity, the broad brushstrokes make a lot make more a sense. a lot more well, sense. And especially that's right.
1: specificity around questions like who is God. Right. Like, it's not a question I want to keep murky. Right. That's right. And it's not a question God wants to keep murky, right? And He doesn't, right? So it's not like He's just like, yeah, take your best guess, mm-hmm. like look up mm-hmm. at the skies and just like, you know, conjecture for a little while.
0: Well, and you know, like I, even recently, I was at an art exhibit and watch. It was a Picasso exhibit. Ooh, fancy. I know, sophisticated I'm, I'm like, over here. Like, <laughs> Cube, Vivaldi, I believe, is the term. <laughs> um, but they were. Uh, it was a. It was a display of all of these paintings that Picasso had done that were different aspects of a well-known realist work of art. And so you could look at the Picasso paintings and you could enjoy them for what they were worth. But when you had seen the the finely drawn, uh, realistic painting, you understood why he presented it the way that he did in, in an abstract form. So I think you can feel the same tension between general revelation and special revelation. The general revelation does move us. but um, But once you've seen the the, the 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 true picture right um that's when those things take on life and understanding for yeah, us. always
1: with the killer illustrations jen yeah <laughs> like, like this, well, pod,
0: this podcast all has, i got this podcast has
1: really become <laughs> just me building an illustration bank <laughs> it's like okay i'll steal that one um so uh okay so god has revealed himself uh in in the world mm-hmm. um but it, it's a general revelation and yep. by that we mean it's not as specific As special revelation, which when we talk about this, uh, when the church has historically talked about this, we talked about it through the son, Mm -hmm. um, Jesus Christ. Yep. Uh, and the word, yeah. and sometimes you hear the son in uh, the word incarnate, and the word inscripturated. That's right, because um, that gets that dynamic. Because even John, as he begins his gospel, he he begins by saying, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." Yeah. Uh, and so the Son is the eternal Word yep. of the Father, um, and that the Word of God inscripturated reflect the character
2: mm-hmm.
1: of the Son. That's right, and
2: subsequently the father. So the son is ultimately the referent of all of of all of his revelation. I would even say general yeah, revelation Talk too. more about that. Yeah. So uh, we're not talking about some generic God. When we talk about God revealing himself, we're talking about specifically the triune God, mm-hmm. the God who eternally exists as father, son, and Holy Spirit. And these persons of the God have specific ways of being in the world and specific ways of relating one to each other and to us. And the way that the father, the invisible God has chosen to make himself known is through a mediator, the son. And that's what you were just talking about, the word incarnate and the word inscribed. And he does so by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is always making himself known from the Father, through the son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every single time God reveals, it is in that order. And then the order kind of reverses itself. It is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to see and love and enjoy and delight in the son. Right, You you cannot come to a knowledge of mm-hmm. the Son without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is not referring to anything else but the Son. And right. Jesus says that. He's coming to witness about me. He, it's uh, John, 15, six, mm-hmm. John 15 and 16. He's not coming to speak on his own authority. Oh, And the Son is only say, is saying, so the Spirit's saying, I'm not bearing witness about myself. I'm bearing witness about the Son. And the Son is saying, these aren't my words. I'm uh, speaking by the, uh, uh, the, 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 the words word, of the Father. Exactly. Yeah, and if you've seen me... You've seen the Father because the Father right. and I so are there's one. So that's that dynamic of from the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, and then by the power of the Holy Spirit we see the Son. And once we see the Son, we have an image of the invisible yeah. God, right. who Hebrews, is our Father. the exact
1: that Jesus Christ, the exact imprint, exact Print. imprint of His nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is so vital, and it's vital because of that first question that we ask, which is often whether. And let's imagine that um, we've asked the person who comes to this, God has spoken to me, and we say, "Well, when you mean that, what do you mean?" So let's imagine we're giving them like mm-hmm. we want to understand what they really mean, because a lot of times, like. You said, Jen, they don't, they're not trying to step in and go, I want to compromise the Christian doctrine (laughs) of revelation.
0: That's not, they're not (laughs) stepping
1: stepping in to do that. And, uh, but sometimes either the way they communicate or what is actually being communicated does that very thing. That's right. And so when you talk about, and JT, you and I have talked about this a lot, that, um, the uh, that god's revelation has christ as its we might either say center or goal mm-hmm. depending on you often will say christological and i'll say christotelic and we mean the same thing yep. which is that if and, and scripture says this if there is some notion of a word that has been delivered that does not have christ as its center or goal then scripture says You should be very careful. You can be absolutely sure that that is not a word from God. Right. And so a lot of times when people are talking about hearing God or hearing the voice of God, they are talking about greater attention in their heart being pulled to who God is in the Son Mm -hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there are some times when they're not, when what they really mean is they've been given some sort of special access Mm -hmm. or knowledge that seems if connected to crisis center the connection seems to be tenuous yeah right oh absolutely what do we do in that moment be gracious thank you (laughs) 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 as the tanks were approaching the
2: border (laughs) like (laughs) Jin steps in with a a breath of fresh air that's that's the answer that's the right answer we start we we certainly Mm -hmm. start there
1: your copy today. We live in a possession and money obsessed culture, but what does the Bible say about generosity? In his new book, A Short Guide to Gospel Generosity, author Nathan Harris shows us that the answer to our obsession with possessions is turning to the gospel, because only in the gospel can we find the type of life transformation that enables us to turn our focus from ourselves and back to others, to give generously, and to follow in the way of Christ. To learn more about the book, visit GuideToGospelGenerosity.com. That's GuideToGospelGenerosity.com.
2: You start with charity. And it's the tone you start with courage. Yeah. You uh, you want to understand. Um, yeah, be kind. I mean, I think you want to assume the best. This person is doing what they can to have an intimate relationship with God, right? And that's really, really important. And so, I, you you never want to extinguish those flames. And so, I think it's important to listen. What do you, What do they have to say? And then, as as you can you the book of acts describes some early followers of jesus coming along to describe a better way mm-hmm. and i think that is something that can be followed here yeah. is that you don't go kind of flame throwing and saying everything that you've just said is wrong but you can help shape and mold some words which is a better way i think of priscilla and aquila with apollos exactly. like they pull him aside apollos is preaching the gospel and there's some parts
1: of it that clearly he is either misunderstood or is not informed on, he needs some training and teaching. And it says that Priscilla and Aquila pulled him aside and explained the way of God to him more clearly. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, listen, we love what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. And we love what you're shooting for and what you want. But in light of who God has revealed himself to be and what he has done Mm -hmm. in the world, we think you should maybe follow this trail and not the other one.
2: And mm-hmm. it's also important if you're going to be Priscilla and Aquila who are trying to describe a, a better way or, or a clearer picture of who God is, that you also be prepared to be Apollos. Right. And that you're be, you're in Christian community and, and you're that. willing to, to receive. Receive. That's yeah, receive molding and forming from the community that's yeah. around you.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: when we talk about Scripture
1: in particular, so coming back to where we were at because I, I took us on a, a rabbit trail there, but when, when we're talking about Scripture in particular, if God has revealed himself in Scripture, there are different um, – there are parts of the doctrine of revelation that revolve around the doctrine of scripture, mm-hmm. right? And those words are words like illumination, mm-hmm. inspiration, inspiration yeah. revelation. Yeah. And I think that it's the confusion around those three words mm-hmm. that accounts for a large part of our miscommunication as a body when we talk about how God is speaking in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about what is the doctrine of illumination and inspiration and revelation, and how are they different? I'm
2: going to do those in reverse order. Great. The broadest category we've already discussed kind of at length is revelation. It is general revelation in creation, and it's special revelation in Christ and in Scripture. And it, when you think of the Doctrine of Revelation, just think of God revealing. This is God making making himself known, disclosing himself to his creation. Specifically, the, the terms inspiration and illumination are most clearly referring to the biblical text. That's how they're most often used in reference to. And so inspiration is the idea that God spoke through the prophets and the apostles. Uh, specific words, so First Peter would say it this way, that no prophecy came about by uh, their own imagination, but they spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. inspiration is this dual authorship of the biblical text. So as you're reading First and Second Samuel or Matthew or John's gospel, the author of that text is genuinely that person. You would expect them to use their idioms, their understanding of the world, their phrases that would have been... Uh, around in their context but the other author of the text is the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is the one not in some kind of dictation method where where they're kind of have lost consciousness again it's Truly a human book, but it's also a truly divine book with one author, one message, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: And Christians have historically said, "Listen, what is inspired by God is without error." Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And so, the, uh, and we JT and I feel very passionately about this. And I don't know if we've ever—I mean, you probably feel passionately about it too, Jen. We've i don't
0: been, have any strong opinions on anything. <laughs> that's <laughs> Why not are you true. Say that.
1: That's not true. But I know JT and I have spent a lot of time. We teach on this in the training program. This doctrine of being without error is called inerrancy. Inerrance. Yeah, um, and we believe that the best way to think through this is to begin with inspiration, That's right. and then move to inerrancy. Because if God, if Scripture has God as its author, it is de facto inerrant. Inerrant,
2: mm-hmm. and it's uh, also authoritative and authoritative. It's yeah. sufficient. It's right. worthy of preserving. Right. And so, uh, maybe quick side note here to your first question: God said, "Spoke to me last night." I'm going to ask you: Is it inerrant? Right. Is it authoritative? Is it sufficient? Because those are questions that that's how God speaks. Well, and if those questions, if the answer to those questions is no,
1: then it's not inspired. That's exactly right. And if the answer to that question is yes, from the person who's receiving the question, guess what? We all need to know. Like all yes, the Christians exactly in the whole right. world need to know. If God is disclosing himself, tell because, us. Yeah, you should tell us because now we're all held accountable that's to right. that.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you disobey that, you're disobeying the word of the Lord. And yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you have something.
0: Well, you guys have said, Said, you know, repeatedly revelation is God's disclosure of himself. And yet often when someone is speaking of having a revelation, it has very little to do with God's disclosure of himself and and with many other disclosures. Mm-hmm. And so I think about, again, the, the illustration of the Grand Canyon and no one stands at the edge of the Grand Canyon and thinks thoughts of themself right you it, it orients you properly to understand there's something bigger than myself well then how much more so when we place ourselves under um, the direct revelation the the specific revelation that we find special revelation would we expect that it would first and foremost be telling us about God and, and only secondarily about ourselves and yet when we talk about oh you know I've had a word from the Lord so often it is about who I am First, you know, detach from who he is, or about what I should do, Mm -hmm. Um, and those are those are important things for us to want insight and wisdom around. Um, But again. Um, If revelation is first and foremost, God's disclosure of himself, one of the questions I'm immediately going to be asking in my head or to the person who's giving me this is how is the character of God being Mm -hmm. revealed in this in a way that aligns with what we see in his word?
1: Yeah. And talking about the reception of that, um, like let's just use dreams and visions as an example. But if you were talking about dreams and visions, uh, when you look at the record of scripture of the recipient of dreams and visions in scripture, guess what happens? They don't get super talkative after. Afterwards. right their <laughs> initial encounter with the Lord in Isaiah and in John is yeah. uh, I should not be here mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
1: and they typically have to then be like commanded to talk yep.
0: yeah
1: like hey Isaiah you have to go do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Moses but, the same way but the initial reaction is not, Oh, so cool! So cool. Let me go. Let me just go mm-hmm. tell everybody about it. Nor
0: is it immediate obedience. That's the one that cracks right. me up. Is the whole idea that God is going to tell me to do something and I'm going to immediately go do it? Jonah. That's not what people do. Right. You know, they 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 run the opposite direction, mm-hmm. or they or they become consumed with self doubt. So I mean, the idea that the purpose of even just the Bible is that it will tell me exactly what to do in terms of a circumstance or yeah. a decision, mm-hmm. and I will immediately act on it, knowing it came straight from the Lord. It just doesn't hold up.
2: Right. Right. No, that's so true. So the Bible is inspired. Yeah. It's inspired. Therefore, Mm -hmm. it's authoritative, inerrant, sufficient, clear, worthy of preservation. Mm -hmm. But the the doctrine of revelation isn't done yet. The the word you asked is, is illumination. Sometimes we misspeak of this. We say that we need the Bible to be illumined. That's not what we mean by the term illumination. The Bible is perfect in its form and how it's given to us and how we've received it. What is in need of illumination is our darkened hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And so we have too high of a view of ourselves to just think we can come to the text without divine help, without God's help. You don't just apply, certainly in Jen, I know you're passionate about this, you apply method. This is, we read literally and and literally, we want to know what the text is saying, what the Mm -hmm. authors are saying. However, as a sinner, my my heart and my mind have been darkened, and I need the lights to come on. Mm-hmm. And the only the only person who can help me with that is the person of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. so it's important to read prayerfully and meditatively, asking God to make Himself known to us in the biblical text.
0: I see two common extremes of error on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the idea of when God says, "Let there be light," when we become a believer, you know, when He speaks light into our darkness, that then we have all the light we need mm-hmm. to understand everything that the Scriptures have have to say. Right. So therefore, the fact that I am a member of God's family means that all the scriptures are open to me instantaneously and perfectly.
2: Without effort, without, without effort, diligence and hard work. R-
0: without effort. And, mm-hmm. then, and then the other extreme of that is that although God has said, let there be light into my darkness, this is just too hard and mm-hmm. it, it will always remain obscured to me. Therefore, I'm going to only run to secondary ways of understanding it. Right. or to, And so we need to understand that um, what sanctification is, is a process of God increasingly shining light into the darkness of our understanding and and thereby conforming us to the revealed um, declaration of who he is, Christ. Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. I think of Psalm 36, 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light, do we see light? Yeah, it's good. Like it's only there that we see light. Like we Mm -hmm. can't even wreck it. That's that in my mind, that captures the doctrine of illumination that it's until we're actually regularly encountering, encountering the measure of truth, goodness, and beauty. We can't even begin to measure truth, goodness, and beauty and all the things that claim this.
0: Well, an illumination, if you think about just in the natural world, what what light does, right? It reveals what was hidden in darkness. And so it's going to reveal to us, and this is what we see, right? In scripture, when people have a revelation uh, that sin is far worse than we thought and God is far more glorious than we thought. That is mm-hmm. always that's what happens. News. And yep. so when we speak of God revealing himself to us or receiving a word from the Lord, one of the first things I'll be wondering is, did it make sin more terrible to you and God more beautiful to mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So let's get to, to, so to try to answer and land the plane on the question that's oriented the podcast, is God still speaking?
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Specifically, he's speaking in creation through Christ and in Christ and in the word, Mm -hmm. in our minds and hearts are being illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit to behold Christ more beautiful than we ever have before. Mm -hmm. So that we might see the image of the invisible God. And we might know exactly what God is like. He is like Jesus. And what is the spirit doing? In illumination? In the work of revelation? He's making Christ known. I mean, Jesus is clear about this in the gospel of John. I'm going to send you the helper. If you don't have the help, you're, you're in need of help. Uh, you, without the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, would be lost still. Uh, non-Christians cannot read the Bible the way the Bible was meant to be read. And so I'm going to send you this helper who will make me known to you and who will continue to say the things that I've said to you so that you can know the invisible God. And what, what do
1: I do if I want to hear God?
0: i'm gonna I'm gonna give a quote that I love uh, it's gonna oversimplify the issue. I'll tell you straight up front. Uh, if you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear God speak audibly. Read your Bible out loud. Martin Luther said that too. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> yes. Okay, well, well, there we go. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, it's, worth, it's worth meditating on because I think we inhabit a culture that um, fears obsolescence, that we're always waiting for the new iPhone release and we're always waiting for the new this and the new that and anything that is old we see as uh, not as valuable. And yet what the Christian faith is, is telling us and, and, and even the doctrine of revelation itself is saying, love the old words. Mm -hmm, And, and we have a tendency to be drawn toward, you know, I want a new word. I want a fresh word from the Lord. And again, I want to hear that the way someone means it, Mm -hmm. but I very much want them to mean I want a new understanding of an old truth and and not a novel understanding, but I want an old truth to hit me in a way that it has not yet that, that the increase in the increasing spread of God's light in the darkness of my understanding would draw me closer to the old words.
2: Yeah, so much of this kind of new word conversation is really not all that dissimilar from the ancient heresy of Gnosticism. This idea that there Mm -hmm. was a specially Mm -hmm. revealed knowledge to a specific group of people Mm -hmm. that the rest of us were left without of. And so God makes it clear he's spoken to us in his Word, so we could know uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit who the Son is. And so I know that I'm not, uh, I've not read this book, but I would say to people who are reading this book, uh, Jesus isn't calling, Jesus is called. Mic drop. Yes, (laughs) I would say it. And I would yeah. say it to them. And I'm not telling you not to read the book, but Jesus makes it very clear in the Great Commission, go, teach them what I have mm-hmm. commanded, not what I am commanding. Mm-hmm. Jesus is not interested in telling us to say new things about him until we know the old things about him. That's good. That's good on that note, <laughs> on that hot take. I love everybody. <laughs> If there's and, I need I- you, and, I, and I need you to love me too. If there's
1: anything you heard us talk <laughs> so about nice. on the sh- yeah Yeah, that's not going to play. <laughs> um, if there's anything you heard us talk about on the show, email JT. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching knowing faith. On our next episode, we're going to look at the Ark of the Covenant in first and second Samuel. Is it like Indiana Jones? Is it different? What are the similarities? What are the differences? See you next time. Grace and peace.